Hi, and welcome to Rhode Island's Amazing Women. I'm Deborah Giro, host and creator of the show that highlights women who make a difference. You can listen online anytime at amazingwomenri.com or the podcast on any of your favorite streaming services, Google, Amazon, Spotify. Thank you for being here. My guest today is Kim Kalunian. You know her as the WPRI TV 12 news reporter and anchor of the 4 p.m. and 5.30 news. Kim is a native Rhode Islander. We actually met when she was at WPRO 99.7 FM. She was the afternoon drive news anchor. She left radio for the big TV gig. But uh, Kim actually began her career as a staff reporter at the Warwick Beacon and the Cranston Herald. She's married to Ted Nisi, also a reporter at WPRI-TV. They have a daughter, Samantha, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. So thank you, Kim, for stopping by. <laughs> thank you, Deb. So great to be with you. It's really interesting to see your career, which began in print, you know, you were a scribe, then you moved to radio reporting and then on to television as a reporter and news anchor. How have each of these different mediums really impacted your career and work as a reporter? Mm, that's such a great question. I mean, I, I think, you know, what I always say to people is that I love storytelling um, in all of its forms. And I initially, before I got into journalism, uh, was an actress and a performer. And so that was sort of how I began storytelling. And then I got uh, bitten by the journalism bug when I was uh, interning, actually, at the, the Warwick Beacon. Um, and I think going through each chapter of my career, each phase of my career, I mean, has been such a masterclass in, in the different styles of journalism, whether it be print, radio, or TV, you're reaching different audiences, um, but you have the same objective, right, which is mm -hmm. to inform um, and to become an expert on that day's current events and whatever it is that you're trying to um, inform people about. So there are certainly similarities through all of them, um, but I've really enjoyed the differences of you know, being out with a pad and pencil uh, covering a city council meeting for the Warwick Beacon or going out with my Marantz for WPRO and, and putting the microphone on the podium or then finally grabbing a camera and, and hitting the road um, with WPRI. So it's been, um, it's been such a great experience getting to do all three of those for me. Yeah, it's kind of the theatrics of journalism too, right? Yes. You know, radio makes you good. Television makes you famous. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> I mentioned that, you know, you're married to political reporter Ted Nisi. And boy, I can only imagine the conversations you two have about elected officials and political candidates. Oh, to be the fly on your kitchen wall, right? <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun. We It's, it's really nice um, having someone who understands the industry and sort of all of the demands and idiosyncrasies of this life as a reporter and a journalist. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's really great. And man, he is such a smart guy and he mm -hmm. knows so much. There is so much in that brain of his. And so I'm constantly quizzing him and, and asking for his opinion on stuff. And we get into these great little dialogues about what we think about everything. And it's, it's just really fun having um, that coworker and spouse relationship all in one. Um, and he's really like a a walking encyclopedia when it comes to political history too. And it's nice that you both really dig the business and you have someone to bounce ideas off of. I mean, you and Ted work in the same industry, but you're also in the same newsroom. So like, do you have a rule about how much you talk about work at home? 
<laughs> um, you know, we don't, we don't have a hard and fast rule. I think we sort of get each other when we're a little bit like, okay, we need to talk about something other than what, what we're working on at work. Um, and the great thing is, is that outside of work, we share so many of the same interests and hobbies and likes. So it's, it's really easy to um, sort of set work aside and, and have topics about or have conversations about other topics, um, but no hard and fast rule. Good. It's just sort of a, a judgment call based on our mood. <laughs> mm. Well, hence, that's why you married the guy. You know, you exactly. have a lot in common, right? <laughs> but as a news reporter, Kim, you mentioned, you know, you're immersed in the news. It's around you 24 seven. Um, it has to have an effect on you, right? How do you turn off the news? That's a great question. And it is really hard. I, I will say um, one of the things being a, a general assignment reporter and also being someone who does a series on cold case uh, homicides and missing person cases, it can wear on you emotionally when you're covering heavy news day after day after day. Um, and I often hear this from people. Sometimes people will say to me, you know, I don't watch the news because it's heavy and it makes me sad. And I understand that because it's important to take care of yourself and take care of your mental well-being and sometimes take a break from all of that. Um, but of course, you know, I chose this as my career. So I understand that being informed is, is hugely important and being plugged into what's happening in, in your community, in your country, I think is very important. And sometimes um, it's heavy what's happening around you. But yeah, I think that every once in a while, you sort of have to take a break, step back, compartmentalize and um, remind yourself of the things outside of work, you know, your family, your hobbies, um, your friends and, and have some fun and some laughs because it, it can weigh on you um, well after you walk out of the door from mm -hmm. the newsroom for the night. Not like any other business, though, or any other exactly. industry. You know, it's all balance and moderation. If you're just joining us, thanks for listening. I'm Deborah Giro. Karen Kay is at the controls. We couldn't do this radio show and podcast without Karen. It's Rhode Island's Amazing Women, and you can listen online on all your favorite streaming devices. My guest is Kim Kalunian, the WPRI news anchor. And I'd love to talk a little bit, Kim, about the role of social media. I mean, it has really impacted all of our lives, but really the work of reporters, because you're not just on air anymore. Now you're online, you're on Twitter. So how has social media changed the role of your work in the newsroom? Yeah, the the ask now of us is not just to think of our job as being on the TV screen, but on multiple screens. We're in people's living rooms, we're in the palm of their hand, on their smartphones, on their tablets, uh, when people sit down at their computer and pull up Twitter or WPRI.com. So the demands are definitely different. Um, and I think the, the requirement to have a presence on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Now you're seeing people on TikTok who are doing the news on TikTok. So there's um, a lot more demands and a lot more asks of reporters throughout the day versus just going out and shooting something with your camera and putting it on the six o'clock news. We have shows uh, at 12, at four, five, six, 10, and 11. So you're filling all of those, but you're also getting out your cell phone and shooting video that's meant just for your social media followers. And then there's the aspect of the job too, where people wanna know a little bit about who you are when you're not on television, when you're not behind the anchor desk. And I've been asked this before about sort of that fine line that you walk between how much of yourself do you really wanna put out there versus how much do you not? And I think there's a vast uh, array of approaches that I've seen 
Mm. Um, some of my colleagues uh, love to show pictures of their family. Some of my colleagues don't show their families at all. Um, some people share hobbies and, and when they go out and are dining and they share those photos, other people, you don't really see too much of that. So I think there's different approaches and I think all of them are valid and we're still sort of navigating this whole area of how much of a personality are you versus how much of it is just your work as a journalist. Um, yeah. And I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer. I think it's just different approaches. And, and for me, I like to share some of the recipes that I'm making in my kitchen at any given time. And of I know course, I've seen, you love to bake, you love to yeah. cook, you know, I'm the same way, you know, and it's part yeah. of who you are, you know, food is our culture and, yes. and it's very much important to you too. And yeah. I think social media allows you to have that personal part of your life, you know, so that people know, you know, who you really are, because you're not just a reporter or a news anchor. I mean, you're a mom, you're, you're so many things, you know? And yeah, it's, we're, it's we're real, we're real people. And we're really a part of the community. And I think there's a positive aspect of social media where you get to see that, but then there can be that negative side where, um, you know, there are those keyboard warriors who like to make sometimes some hurtful comments. So just a reminder that we're all real people and that yeah. we have real feelings. <laughs> Play fair and be kind. Yes. <laughs> No keyboard courage. So I mentioned you and Ted have a beautiful little girl, Samantha, the love of your life, of course. Um, and so now you know firsthand, right, how important child care is for working parents. Hmm? What have you learned? I mean, that's a pretty big policy issue today. And, and what advice do you have? Gosh, yeah, I'm still learning every single day. So I, I don't think I have very good advice, but it really <laughs> has been eye-opening. I was very fortunate that my employer, uh, Channel 12, uh, allowed me to cut back on my hours a little bit when I returned from maternity leave, which has really been a game changer. And I'm also extremely fortunate that my mother is um, Samantha's primary caregiver when I and Ted are at work. Um, so we have a very privileged, special circumstance where I, I feel incredibly grateful for myself and for Samantha. Um, but man, it has been eye-opening that there yes. is such a burden, particularly on working mothers, um, to make some really hard calls about whether or not to even return to the workforce, how to return to the workforce, um, whether your entire salary is going towards childcare, um, and whether that's worth it. And then, you know, we, I think, especially my generation, I was raised to find something that I was passionate about and pursue that as a career. And I think so many of my peers who are now starting to have children are wondering, gosh, do I have to give up something that I'm passionate right. about in order to raise my family in the way that I want? So it's really, really hard. Um, and I don't know if there's an easy solution. Um, I don't know what the solution would be, but I'm glad that we're having conversations about it because mm -hmm. Um, it, it really is something that I think we need to do some work on. And it's different for every family. You know, to yes. your point, most families are two income households just yep. because of what we need to do today. And you're right. There's a generation of folks who just believe so strongly in, in the career that they've pursued and, and you don't want to give that up. And you are blessed that your parents are local and can actually share in the child care responsibilities. I think that really makes a difference, you know? Yes, I think um, so. And, and are you and Ted on the same schedule? I don't quite remember, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so sometimes, yes. Um, so because I've cut back on my hours, I 
used to work from like three o'clock in the afternoon, two thirty in the afternoon until eleven thirty at night. Um, now I'm pretty much done by seven o'clock in the evening, and he works more of a traditional nine to five. Although, mm-hmm. as you might guess, in this industry, uh, that's nine to five. Believe exactly. me, I remember when I was a reporter in Boston. There's no <laughs> such thing as nine to five. You know, exactly. Yeah. Uh, did you study journalism in college, and did you always know you wanted to be a reporter? No. <laughs> what did you no. study? No and no. Um, So I actually didn't go to college. Um, I did a little bit of college online at UMass Amherst, but Uh never got a degree. So I took a sort of non-traditional path um, and I'm all about non-traditional paths for people. I went to the exceptional Moses Brown School and Mm -hmm. was um, fully prepped to go to college Um, was about to go to NYU to study musical theater, but decided to defer for a year. And then that deferment changed from a year to, I guess, my entire life because I never ended up going. Um, Yeah, I decided to just sort of try and pursue the theatrical path um, straight out of high school and did that for a little while and then got hired as a freelancer at the Warwick Beacon. And I guess here we are um, all these years later. So that was sort of my pathway. Instead of doing the traditional college route, I just sort of went through internships and pretty much any opportunity I could find. I raised my hand and said, can I try that? And was very fortunate that I think it's called working for a living and getting experience. (laughs) You know, there's nothing like experience for the next job. But you also make an interesting point because I think broadcasting and I taught broadcasting at Emerson and Providence College. And I always encourage people to get into it, whether it's sales or on air. And and it is a great avenue without necessarily a college degree. Yeah, I I think there are ways. I mean, so many employers now, uh, you see the must have a bachelor's degree or equivalent experience. And I think sometimes people go, but how do I get that experience? And I just, my advice to young people is always just don't be afraid to ask for an opportunity. The worst thing you can hear is the word no, but I have been surprised over and over again by the people who have taken a chance on me and who have given me the opportunity, said, here's a microphone, go go ask some questions. Um, and it's really, it's led me to my dream job, um, mm-hmm. which is which is just uh, incredible to think about. So that's my advice. If college isn't right for you, there is still a path forward and you can you can make it work with just mm-hmm. a little bit of hustle. <laughs> So what are some of the challenges for women in television? Hmm. Um, well, you know, we talked a little bit about the social media thing, and I have mm-hmm. seen some extremely unkind things said on social media and via email to some of my colleagues. Um, I think we are more often targets for our appearance. Um, I know I have gotten a lot of feedback over the years about my speaking voice. That's something that women, I think, particularly in radio and television, have to work on because millennial women have a certain way of speaking that isn't maybe the standard way we're used to hearing the news delivered, Mm -hmm. um, which is a whole thing I could talk about for, you know, I could get on my soapbox and talk about this for for hours, but I won't. Um, But yeah, and I I think also, um, you know, with any industry that was once traditionally male dominated, you're going to see a change over over many decades. Right now, I think we're seeing a lot more women in the news, which is is great. I think we have a predominantly, um, you know, female forward newsroom right now. If I can think uh, off the top of my head, a lot of our producers are women. My news director is a woman. Most of our recording staff is women. So that's exciting. Um, So so that's a great thing to see. But yeah, I mean, whenever you're putting yourself out there, 
as a woman, I think there are um, certain things that we face that men do not. One of my mentors and favorite newswomen was Barbara Walters. You know, mm. her interviewing skills just made her one of the best in broadcasting. And she was a real trailblazer, you know, for women and men, a male-dominated business. I mean, she passed away in December of 2022. But, hey, she was 93 years old, and she was something. Um, you mentioned it's it's kind of different for women. Are women today held to a different standard than men? When it comes to being on air, did you think things have shifted because, you know, we're now in the 21st century? <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, I think if you look back, you know, a couple of decades, yes, things are vastly different. Um, and I give such kudos to women like Barbara Walters and many right. others before me who have blazed this trail and made my job a whole lot easier today in 2023 than it was when they were doing this job. But yeah, I, I do think um, that there are unique challenges to being a female uh, broadcaster. I think we're put under a different uh, microscope in some ways. Um, and I think certain topics, uh, certain beats might be still more male dominated. I think the political arena, you still see a lot more male reporters than female reporters. I think sports reporting is still um, something where it's more male centric. So, so you see think, more and more women as sports reporters today. Kim, absolutely. Think, absolutely. You know? So I think there are still some, um, some hurdles mm. to get over, but we're doing it. Yes. <laughs> so what's interesting, I mean, as a report, you don't make a whole lot of money starting out as a reporter, you know, especially, you know, in this market, it's like 40,000. So you see a lot of good reporters drive 45 minutes to Boston, right. To maybe triple their salary. Um, have you noticed that with a lot of friends and colleagues? Oh, sure. And I, I'm really glad you're making that point, Deb, because I think there is this um, uh, misconception about TV news that it's sort of like Hollywood and that, you know, we have these huge salaries and that people are picking out our clothes and doing our hair and makeup every day. And mm -hmm. we're doing our own hair and makeup. We're picking out our own clothes. So if I don't look good, it's, it's my own fault. Um, but yeah, I think that a lot of the, the younger reporters who are out there every day carrying their cameras and tripods, shooting their own videos, um, going out and, and doing these really hugely important interviews and, and bringing that news into your newsroom every night are um, doing so on a salary that is sometimes um, a, a lot lower than what you might expect. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think there is often the, the changeover. People say that to us sometimes, oh, you know, you have a, a lot of reporters who come in and out. And that's because they come to a, a mid-sized market like Providence, and they might not have any ties to the, the area besides the job. And they say, all right, I've spent my time here in Providence. I'm on to the next bigger market. And then they do right. make a jump like Boston or something like that. So that's just sort of the nature of the industry. Um, and, and yeah, we've had so many great people come through Channel 12 who mm -hmm. just work incredibly hard, make an impact on the community and then get a really great job offer somewhere else. And then we say, <laughs> okay, see you later. We'll see you on the network someday. <laughs> I'm chatting with Kim Kalunian, who is the news reporter and anchor at WPRI-TV. Kim, of all the stories that you've covered, I mean, probably for everything from the station fire to the COVID press uh, conferences, is there a story that has just really, really impacted you the most and why? Hmm. Wow, gosh, there have been so many over the years. Um, mm. You know, I can think of one time we were out, uh, my photographer, Corey Welch and I, we were on a story of a, a missing little boy and we were there as his mother got the phone call that he had been found safe. That was a really great day. Mm. Um, you mentioned COVID. I mean, 
we were at the, the press briefing every day with uh, then Governor Raimondo. And I just remember the first few days getting this sort of sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach, just this unknown of where are we going and when are we going to be able to get through this? When are we going to get out of it? And, and one story, yeah, yeah. And one story that sticks out in my head was I remember doing going to a local hardware store before COVID had sort of been officially declared and we had our first case and they had a run on the, the uh, KN95 masks. And that was spooky. That spooked me, that mm -hmm. story in particular. Um, and just thinking, what what does this mean for all of us? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, gosh, so many, so many great stories, happy stories, heartwarming stories, devastating stories. You really get it all in local news. And um, I'm just grateful to everyone that I've been able to talk to over the years who've shared their story with me. And I mentioned you were a native Rhode Islander. So what's interesting, I think, is how unusual for someone who lives in Rhode Island to get a gig in radio, to get a gig in TV, you know, to raise a family and be able to stay in your home state and your market. I mean, it's kind of a gift, isn't it, in this business? It truly is a gift, Deb. It really is something that I'm eternally grateful for. Like I said, people who've taken a chance on me in, in my home state. And I think that's why I was drawn to journalism was because I, I got sort of this front row seat to what was happening in my own community, in my own backyard and, and access to people who are impacting not just me, but my family, my friends. Um, and that really just sort of sparked something in me where I thought, if I could be the first to know something about my home state and my hometown, then mm. I want to be the one to know it. And I want to be oh, the one cool. to tell people about it. So does this mean you and Ted will be retiring now at WPRI TV? This is the last market. <laughs> I, I always say I'm, I'm happy where I am. I love Channel 12. I, I, I love the people there. I love reporting on my home state. I love where I live. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, who knows what will happen in, in five, 10 years that we can't, if you asked me 10 years ago, if I thought I would be sitting here having this conversation about what I'm doing right now, I would say no way. So mm -hmm. who knows? <laughs> that's why it's so important to just stay in the present, enjoy the here and now yes. we mentioned, uh, you mentioned you love to cook. I mean, I know I've seen some of your videos. So what's your favorite dish to make? Ooh, favorite dish to make. Um, you know, it really depends on my mood, Deb. It's just like this season or whatever I'm in the mood for. I love to make soups. I love to make pasta. I love to bake. As you know, I, I'm really into cinnamon rolls these days. <laughs> you follow a recipe because I like to kind of ad lib a little bit. You know, you follow oh, yeah. when you're baking, you have to follow a recipe because that's like chemistry. It but is. cooking to me is creative, you know, yes, I'm a with you here, a dash here. <laughs> totally. I like to sometimes just open my fridge or open my pantry and say, what's been hanging out in here a little too long? What do I need to, to cook with before it goes bad and see how it tastes? And that's sort of like my favorite meal is just what can I, you know, what flavors do I have to work with? What, what items do I have to work with? And can I make it into dinner? It's like chopped, but in I was going to say, I do the same thing. I, I say, <laughs> okay, you have 20 minutes and here are your ingredients, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so who were some of your mentors, Kim? Oh gosh, I've had so many along the way. Um, some fantastic teachers and um, just people who have influenced me. I, I can think back to my my young theater and dance days, Carolyn Dutra, who was my longtime 
dance teacher, uh, Brian Cadiro, who was a teacher at Hendricken, but also mm-hmm. a theater mentor of mine. Um, lots of folks at Moses Brown who helped me along the way. Anne O'Grady, who was another uh, theatrical mentor of mine. And John Howell, who uh, is the editor and publisher of the Warwick Beacon, who really gave me my start in this industry and taught me pretty much everything I needed to know. I always say I went to the John Howell School of Journalism and he set me up for a great career. So and (laughs) those are just a few. And I mean, of course, my mother and my family, they've always encouraged me. Um, so I've, I've just been really, really blessed to have so many people along the way who have just said, you can do it. And you have. I'm chatting with Kim Kalunian. You know her as the WPRI-TV 12 news reporter and anchor of the 4 p.m., 5.30 p.m. news. You're listening to Rhode Island's Amazing Women. I'm Deborah Giro. Don't forget, you can listen online anytime at AmazingWomenRI.com or to the podcast. So in the final minute, if you could meet anyone, living or dead, with whom would you just love to have a conversation? Oh, this is this is a great question that I don't think I've ever been asked before. I mean, Stump you the panel. <laughs> yeah, right. You Sorry. mentioned Barbara Walters. It would be amazing to pick her brain or Oprah because my goodness, when it comes mm-hmm. to interview skills, those two I think are you know the gold standard. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna harken back to my theater days. Uh, Sutton Foster, who played Millie and Thoroughly Modern Millie on Broadway. I'm, yes. I just love her. And I would love to just chat with her about her career and how she she made herself into a star. Um, so, yeah, I love asking people that because it, it just gives <laughs> you some insight, you know, yeah. Kim Kalunian, we will see you on WPRI News. Thank you so much for stopping by to chat. Thanks, Deb. I end each show with a quote, and this one is from Barbara Walters, work harder than everybody. You're not going to get it by whining or by shouting or by quitting. You're going to get it by being there and working hard. Thanks for listening. I'm Deb Ruggiero. Again, you can listen online anytime at AmazingWomenRI.com or stream the podcast on any of your favorite devices. Thanks for joining us. Stay well.